Hi, my name is Isaac, lead pastor at New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. If you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 7, we're going to get there in just a bit. But if you want to open that up, you can mark that place now and we'll get to it shortly. Um, Okay. It seems as though there are things in life that take much longer than they should. Anybody here ever bought anything from Ikea? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. We call that Swedish discipleship. Okay, we don't. I do. Um, Yeah, I remember when we moved here, we bought this bunk bed. And if you've ever tried to put an Ikea bunk bed together with the little wrench that they give you that's that long to torque these bolts that don't line up at all. Oh man, my hand has never been so sore. It, it took much longer than it really, it really should have. Um, my life could pretty much be summarized by a series of trials and errors of sorts. My wife and I, uh, we have been married 10 years this summer. 10 years, yeah. We made it! For those of you who've been longer, married longer than 10, 10 years, you're probably thinking, no, you haven't. It was a lot longer. Uh, but 10 years. And I'd like to take you back, and I'd like to be pretty open right now with our first year of marriage. It was hard. It was really hard. One of the major struggles of our first year of marriage were finances. We would receive our paychecks, we would budget down to the last penny and set out for a perfect month of spending, or so I thought. See, I would have good intentions as we set out and I would inevitably spend money on things I shouldn't. I would go out to lunch way too too much. I wasn't 56 pounds heavier than I am right now because I didn't like to eat good food. That was my life. I'd spend way too much money on lunch. I would buy gadgets that I didn't have money for. I spent money all of the time. I would then face the reality of of another blown budget. And Alyssa would be so frustrated with me. I want you to feel this. Because as much as she was frustrated with me, I was frustrated with myself. Man, I prayed. I wanted transformation. I wanted to be a better man. I wanted to be a better husband. I would go to the Lord and I would repent. And I, I, would, I would say, God, change me. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I tried everything. I would try to only use cash or to leave my cards at home. But I would inevitably, spend, inevitably end up spending more money than I should. We went through the Dave, the Dave Ramsey program, right? I had all of the head knowledge, but nothing had made it down to my heart. I needed the transformation of the Lord desperately. And this would go on for the first year of marriage. My lack of ability to change myself was such a strain on our marriage. That first year, we relied on those vows that said, till death do us part because we were struggling and it was really hard. I wanted to honor God and my wife with my financial decision. 
And 10 years of marriage later, I have seen the transformation of the Lord. But it has been a long process. Am I the only one frustrated with my transformation? No, you're also frustrated with my lack of trans- transformation. <laughs> That's not how I should have said that. I did that same thing at the first service. I would love to say I did it for a laugh, but I just screwed it up twice. <laughs> Are you frustrated with your own transfer- transformation? That pathway, maybe for you right now, you're sitting in those chairs thinking, I need the Lord to be able to move some, some things forward. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage right now that you think things need to change and I can't white white knuckle my way through another year of this. We live in a world that is always trying to find a better way. I want you to think about this. Think about the phone cycle. We started out with the iPhone. Remember when the iPhone first came, came out? It was like, this is amazing. You can send an email through a phone. Now think about as we've gone through iPhone 1, 2, 3, X, 10. They're putting letters in there now, so I don't know which one's which. I don't know where where we're at now. But think about what you can do with a phone now. We have this idea as, as a culture that with enough time, and with enough resources, with enough money, with enough people, um, that, that we can improve on just about anything. Everything is always getting faster and easier. And I think this carries over into our desire to move into a better version of ourselves. If you walk into a bookstore, what's the biggest section? A lot of you are, are like, I haven't been to a bookstore in like five years. If you get on Amazon, what is the biggest section? The biggest section of a bookstore is always self-help. You look at it. I, I mean, book after book is, is all about self-help. We are driven to be a better version of ourselves. And I think that's a God-ordained thing. That there is something better out there. There is transformation out there. But spoiler, I don't think it's found in a self-help book. We all have a thirst to be more than we are right now. Our world is in a constant state of self-help and improvement. And I think in our walk of faith, in our Christian worldview, we can see some of that same same thing. We think this, if I read just the right self-help book, I will be transformed. Listen, friends, I've got bookshelves full of books that I bought for a specific issue I was dealing with, hoping that that is where transformation would be found. I'm not saying books are not a value, but there's something more. We think this, if I listen to just the right podcast, I will be transformed. If I just try harder, if I put more effort in, I will be transformed. How is that working out? Because it hasn't worked out for me. If I just blank, I will be transformed. You can fill in that blank. See, some of us in here have struggled with addictions and don't know if there is an answer. Some of us struggle in our personal relationships and don't know if there is an answer. 
Some of us have struggled to live a life that God has called us to and we don't know if there is an answer. Is this what God has for us? No, really, I want to know, is this what God has for us? Slogging through life, living with disappointment at our lack of progress. What if there was a much more simple answer to these questions in gritting our teeth through another day of frustration? And I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that God's word has an answer to these very questions. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the gift that it is to be taught by you, to sit at your feet as our gaze rests on you, Lord. I, I pray that you, Jesus, you would, our, you would arrest our gaze so we can focus on you because you are the true answer, God. Help all of the other distractions fade. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to be in chapter 7 of the Gospel of John. If you want to flip open your Bibles there, it'll also be up on the screen if you want to follow us there. We'll read this short passage and I'll break it down as we understand God's redemptive plan for you. We're going to talk about that, but there's something more. God's redemptive plan, not just for you, but for the whole world. This is a big deal. We're sitting on the precipice of something really awesome found right here in, in scripture. We'll start in verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Let's take it a verse at a time and see what the Lord would speak. On the last, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. See, the festival Jesus is referring to here, or John is, is referring to here, is the festival of, of tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. That's all the same thing. Um, but just like us, we're going to see these people had been waiting a long time for something more. They saw a vision of something greater. They had been waiting for a, trans, a transformation of sorts in their lives and in their whole culture. They had been waiting for something. I want you to read this. We, um, in the book of Nehemiah, we see this, um, this prayer or this praise that the people would read during this week-long festival pointing towards this future hope. It says this, You gave them bread from heaven. When, when they were hungry and water from the rock, when they were thirsty, you commanded them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn to give them. But in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of clouds still led them forward by day, and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. 
The crowd listening that day would be familiar with the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, he, he had these words. He prophesied these words 700 years before Jesus. 10 years of marriage is a long time, but it's not 700 years. I think we can see that, that they've held on to this hope. Isaiah chapter 44 says this, For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. Roughly 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah prophesies at a time when the longing of the Israelites and for you and me would forever be quenched. This longing, spoiler here, this longing, this quench of thirst is only found through the incarnation of Jesus. That's it. We will preach from this platform, from this pulpit, every Sunday about Jesus because it's in his incarnation that we find hope. Nowhere else. The answer to the question that you're constantly asking yourself is only found through Jesus Christ. That's it. And so we're going to see how this changes everything. Only Jesus. It's as true today as it was 2,700 years ago. Jesus changes everything. Let's go back to verse 37. On, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone. Jesus's invitation on this day, and I would say on this day here too, is anyone. I want you to think, maybe there's somebody in your life right now who you think they are too far gone. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. You think about them and you think they are too far gone. That there's no way that God could possibly transform their, their life. I'm here, I'm here to tell you, friend, that when Jesus says anyone, he means anyone. There is nothing off limits to the transformational power of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're sitting there right now thinking, I don't know if that's for me. Maybe I'm too far gone. You think, I don't, I don't know if, if the transformational power of Jesus Christ could affect and change me. I'm here to tell you, friend, that when Jesus says anyone, that's you. That's me. I'm a walking product of the transformation of Jesus Christ. That's what we see. Jesus's invitation is for anyone. There's no special group or club, perfect pedigree or upbringing, anyone. Jesus calls you and me along with all of humanity. He says, come to me. And I want to make this clear. This is a profound invitation we cannot skip over. Jesus says, come to me. What he doesn't say, he doesn't say this, Come to the self-help book. Come to the relationship that you think will fulfill the longing you have inside of you. You need a spouse. Go to your spouse to be able to trans transform you. Is that what Jesus says? No, his invitation. He says, come to me. 
Because it's in Jesus we find true transformation. My observation is that our pathway towards transformation is much longer because we keep taking our eyes off off of Jesus. We look elsewhere because the way of Christ is hard. Anyone who tells you that following Christ is easy is blowing sunshine and rainbow somewhere. (laughs) It's not. The way of the Christ follower is hard. Jesus says to the Christ follower, he says, you need to humble yourself. John the Baptist, under the power of the Holy Spirit, says this, I must decrease so he must increase. He says, the path is is narrow. He says this, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross and die to yourself daily. So in the way of the Christ follower is hard, we look at anything and everything else. We seek out answers that are easier and that make more sense. Our gaze is, is interrupted as we look at books and Netflix binges and, and, and alcohol and, and relationships, anything and everything to fulfill our longing for transfer, transformation. But, but the Holy Spirit, I loved, I love what Pastor Isaac preached about a few months back, right? The Holy Spirit, our one true friend, he actually interrupts our gaze. We're looking out in things of this world and he, and he brings us back. He interrupts our gaze and brings us back to focus on Jesus. It's in Jesus we find our answer for true tra- transformation. Amen? Amen. And watch this. We come to God with an offering of thirst. He says this, come to me who are thirsty, all who are thirsty. He doesn't say this. He doesn't say, come with me with all your special abilities and gifts. Our offering to God is our thirst. We think our offering to the Lord is our talent or is our strong will or our charismatic personalities or our sense of humor We think we come to God with all of these things that, God, aren't you thankful for what I'm bringing you? And he says, no, I want you to come to me with your thirst. You come to me with your need because that's what changes everything. God's not asking you for those things. Jesus didn't put an ad on Craigslist to find the best and the brightest. He is not sifting through resumes of perfect examples of humanity. He calls the the thirsty. Aren't you glad he calls the hungry? He calls those with shortcomings. He calls a guy with a speech impediment with a stutter to preach about his gospel. That's who our God is. He doesn't need your talents. He needs your thirst. And we come to him. The only thing we bring to God is our need. And this is important for my next uh, observation here. Jesus is drawing all of those with a need that he wants to fulfill so that we can be a conduit of blessing and transformation for other people. You are not a spectator, you are not the end. You are the means to an end. 
to transform other people. So let's look at this next phrase. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Is this Jesus? Who is this his? Because I think this, this is going to be profound here. Who is this his? Is this Jesus or is it the believer? Because only for the past, I would say, a couple hundred years, have we read this passage as rivers of living water will flow from Jesus's heart. And I want to illustrate this up here. We see ourselves as we concentrate on our own relationship with Jesus, right? We're transformed by him. We're concentrated on that. We hope that other people, as they come to the cross, they'll, they'll figure it out. Other people will find their own way with Jesus, but we're transformed and other people on their own separately will come to Jesus. While I agree that we receive the Holy Spirit and transformation from, from Jesus, I agree with that. There's something bigger going on. The implication that, that his refers to the believer, that his refers to you, that his refers to, to me, it refers to us, changes everything. Jesus is pointing towards a time when you and I will be a vessel of hope, when you and I will be a vessel of truth, when you and I will be a vessel of transformation, a vessel of comfort, a vessel of power for the broken world, as people observe the transformation of Jesus in our lives and have hope that they can be changed. Yeah, We're actively involved. We are not a spectator. You are not the end. You are the means to an end. You are hope for a broken world. You can be transformed so that you can transform other people. You are in that process through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' work on our lives. We have been saved in order to be a vessel of hope in com community. And we'll see that scripture reaffirms this, this uh, orientation. Think about the Samaritan woman at the well. She's a perfect example. She encounters Jesus and she is radically transformed. She had been going to the well. She had been going to this well for years in the middle of the day to, to try to avoid anyone that might remind her of her lack of progress. Have you been there, friend? That you think, man, I just want to avoid anything that reminds me that I haven't made it yet. You think, I, I've tried. I've tried everything. She had tried with five different uh, husbands. She had been searching out longing and fulfillment. She was trying to be changed through relation, relationship with other people. Five times, five different people, five different relationships. And yet she was still at the same well, hiding in her shame. And I want you to hear what Jesus says to her. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty uh, again. Have you, have you been there? Have you tried to fulfill your own longing for trans transformation and found yourself thirsty again? 
But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, within you, within me, within us that gives eternal life. Not only will she receive satisfaction and transformation that literally cannot be found anywhere else. She will be a bubbling spring giving eternal life. Watch what happens next. Watch what a transformed woman does next. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Our transformation is not only for ourselves. We are a walking vessel of hope for the world, carrying his blessing, carrying his power, carrying his love, carrying his justice, and carrying the peace of God everywhere we go. If we are yielded to God's will, we are a blessing in our workplaces, schools, and our neighborhoods. The Lord and his grace upon your life does not stop with you. You are transformed to transform other people. You are the means to an end. So how? That's great. I, I can be up on this platform and you're like, I'm in, I, yes, I'm in. But what do I do next? How do I do this? How can we at New Hope be a church where we're not only transformed, but we're a conduit conduit of blessing and transformation for other people? And I would say this, one. I, I, I preached about this a few weeks back, but it's so true. Be committed to the local body. As a pastor, I cannot explain to you All of the intricacies of why when the people of God gather in a room like this and we worship him and we sit and we hear his word and we link arms with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, why we're transformed. I just know that we were told to and that we do. The people who experience transformation in their lives are the ones who, who make a regular practice into being around a community of other believers. They show up on a regular basis so Jesus can show off inside of their, their life. That's what, that's what we see. And I'll say this, and, and this isn't, man, I, I, I don't want to overemphasize this point, but I I have to say this, your transformation, if we follow this line of thinking, that your transformation is so that you can be in the process of transforming other people, there's a lot more at stake than just your own personal faith. I want that to sink in. And, And it, as I feel that for me, It makes me a little scared. It causes me a little anxiety. But God has chosen us to be his plan plan A. You've been created in the image of God. Scripture says that even before time that God has laid out good works for you. That are strictly for you. That somebody, there, there is no backup plan. 
we are plan A for the salvation of the whole world. And that you showing up on a regular basis and asking God to transform you and being committed to him. There's more at stake than just your faith. It's the faith of your family. It's your parents. It's your children. It's your brother and sisters. It's your extended family. It's your coworkers. It's your neighbors. It's everyone that God might use you to be a conduit of hope and blessing and trans- transformation. Two, as you show up and make a regular commitment, join Alpha or join Rooted. We've, we've made it very simple. We've got two wonderful opportunities coming up this fall and they're filling up quick. God has a plan f- for you. There's seats for you, for you to be radically transformed and changed as you make uh, a commitment, as you set your gaze and focus back on Jesus Christ. Three, I want you to pray for opportunities to be living water inside of your neighborhoods, to be living water inside of your schools and your workplaces and inside of your families. God has those good works ready for you. Would you pray? Would you pray that God would use you to be a vessel of hope? Now, what would this look like? What would it look like if the transformation and breakthrough we so desperately desire was fulfilled in Jesus? And that might be painful. Maybe you've been living with hurt and this lack of transformation for a long time. That even to think that there might be hope, maybe you've stuffed hope so far down that you don't have to think about it. That you're the woman at the well going there at noon so you didn't have to interact with anybody else. But my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would in part, would deposit inside of your soul right now a hope. Would you dream with me? What it would look like to be transformed by Jesus. What if our experience of transformation was turned into a conduit of blessing and transformation for other people? What if the hope we found in a dark season of life could be used to bring hope to other people? What if our newfound sense of identity in Jesus Christ was used to speak words of identity to the next generation? What if our new understanding of in, integrity was able to transform our workplace as we lived out our integrous life before unbelievers? What would it look like? Because as we arrest our attention and our gaze back on Jesus, he can transform us. Would you pray with me? Lord, I I thank you that it's through you and you alone, God, that we are transformed. It's not through our efforts, God. It's it's not through our abilities. It's not us through us white-knuckling our Christianity, God. It's only through you. God, your invitation is come to me, Lord. So we are, God, we're focusing on you. Now, maybe you're out there right now that you're hearing of this hope and this transformation only found through Jesus. 
and you've never accepted the invitation to follow him, he's saying to you, friend, right now, saying, come to me. I want to transform you. I want your thirst to be quenched. Finally, stop chasing after the wind. Right now, I have it for you. So Jesus' words for you right now, maybe you've never chosen to follow Jesus or, or maybe you're recommitting to follow Jesus. If that's you, I want you to take that step of faith with all eyes closed and heads bowed. Would you raise your hand? I just want to agree with you in prayer. Step out in faith. Accept his invitation for your life. I see your hand. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants to lift your expectation to better yourself on your own. Now for you, maybe you've been following Jesus, but these words are ringing true. You've been slogging through life, just trying to make it to the next day, but but there's, there are things in your life that you need transformation now. That as you look out, you don't know if you can make it another year. You need the Lord's work on your life. I, I want to agree with you in prayer, and this is a bold step. Same thing with all eyes closed and heads bowed. If you need transformation in your life right now, I want to pray for you. If you would raise your, raise your hand. Maybe it's in your marriage. Do you need trans transformation in your marriage? Do you need it in your family? Do you need it in your heart, in your addictions? Do you need it? I see all these hands. Jesus is saying to you, thank you for your need. I, I, I want to point something out. Your hands are empty right now because that's all you come with is an empty hand of need. Lord, I pray for all these people with their hands raised, God. Would you come and fill their thirst? God, would you provide a transformation on their life? They, they need breakthrough. I pray for marriages right now. In this room, those who are calling out, answering that call, will you break the strongholds, Lord? Would you arrest everyone's attention, arrest our attention back to you, Jesus? God, be our hope. Our hope is not found in all of these other things. It's only found in following you, God. Help us, Lord. Change our hearts, mold us, and shape us. Bring us wisdom on our, on our next step and the faith and courage to, to be able to follow that path. God, give us your grace and thank you that all we come is with our need, Lord. Well, I have a third invitation for you. I was clear during, during this whole thing that we are the means to an end. We are transformed to transform other people. We are transformed to transform other people. If you want to be a conduit of blessing and hope for a broken world, if that's you, it's not just a raised hand. I have some, something else for you. I want us all to pray together. Would you come forward? 
Would you have the faith to be able to come forward if you want the opportunities to be hope to other people? I want to pray for you. I want you to come now. Come, come forward. Yeah, Kaylin's faith of being able to reach out and being able to move away because she wants something more. Yeah, come on. down. This is a bold step. Who knows what the Lord might might do? And I want you just to look around for a sec at those standing by your side. You are not on this journey by yourself. You are linking arms with your brothers and sisters in Christ who are also understanding that you that we all can be conduits of hope, conduits of transformation. We're linking arms and saying, this is bigger than ourselves. This is bigger than just even this church, than Marion and Polk County. This is bigger than Salem. This is bigger than Oregon. This is for the hope of an entire broken world. Let's join in faith. Let's join in prayer. Lord, for everyone standing here, stepping out, saying that they want to be used by you. God, I pray that you would make those opportunities known. Make those things clear, God. God, I pray that you would bring about chances for us to be hope, for us to be peace, for us to be, to, to be your power, to be your hands, to be your feet to be your transformation, Lord. These moments that that you have ordained even before time, let us step out in faith and boldness and courage, God. We trust you with our lives. And just as I look out, God, we have empty hands. Many people standing here are with their hands held open, God, because we don't come to you with gifts of talent or special ability. We come to you with our need, Lord. We come to you with our thirst. God, I ask for you to change us for the hope of the world. Transform us for the hope of the world. Let us step out. We give you all the praise and all the glory for what you might do because of these bold acts of faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, I can't think of a better way to be able to end this time than than to sing about our need for the Lord because we need him. Would you lead us in this time?